Hello everyone and welcome to the Stream Queens podcast where we review horror films and horror adjacent films you can stream on the internet. I'm your co-host Rachel and joining me is the only person I would want to walk down into the Tower of Chernobyl with Mars. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello, Mars. How are you doing? I'm doing good. You sounded like you struggled with that one a bit. Are you sure you would walk down into the Tower uh, of Chernobyl I with me? I realized I had forgotten to come up with something and put it in my notes, so that was oh. me winging it. <laughs> I, was gonna say, I mean, like, you know, I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, do I want to call her a Chernobyl mutant? I was like, no, that that seems harsh. <laughs> my right, favorite stray dog. <laughs> right? My favorite radioactive brown bear. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you at home who don't know what we're talking about, we're going to be reviewing a little movie named The Chernobyl Diaries that uh, made me really wish that I could have a Yuri so that I wouldn't have to worry. Oh my God, right? Or how in love with Yuri are you? so much so i mean i didn't even we didn't really think about this when we picked this movie but it's kind of funny that we picked such like a disaster like everybody's comparing the u.s's handling of the coronavirus to chernobyl <laughs> <laughs> i mean did you have that in mind when you picked this movie i did not i did, was not thinking about that at all <laughs> it's just a happy coincidence yeah or strange strange coincidence <laughs> so i don't really have a warm-up question we've already discussed that we've been up to nothing because we're in quarantine so let's go ahead and move into our review but before we do that marzi can you remind our listeners of our spoiler policy we are gonna just spoil the whole thing from top to bottom we kind of already did a little bit but not (laughs) really in my opinion I mean, it's definitely doesn't have a very straightforward answer or ending, I think, but I, I don't know that it would necessarily ruin your experience if you went in spoiled. I feel like we're going to leave this one up to you. I, you could go either way. Yeah. So you picked this movie. You said it was not due to the coronavirus. What made you decide to pick it? I have seen it once before, but a really, really long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't really remember much about it, which is probably the most evidenced by the fact that I'm pretty certain last episode when I picked it, I was like, it's a found footage movie. I mean, it's sort of a found yeah, footage Yeah, I mean, movie. we'll we'll get on it. It's not technically a found footage movie, but I understand why I remembered it as a found footage movie. It's a weird hybrid. Which I kind of think is cool, actually. But. Yeah. So I wanted to watch it again anyway. It was on my list anyway. And then I found out you hadn't seen it. So I figured, let's let's, do it. Let's do it. Yeah, definitely. So, okay. A little bit about this movie. It's from 2012. It was directed by Bradley Parker. This was his directorial debut. So he is primarily like a visual effects artist and has done like a lot of work on a lot of top tier movies like Ad Astra, Planet of the Apes. He did like Lock and Key recently for Netflix. But this was his directorial debut, and he has a new movie coming out called Shook'em Hills. Let me read you the description. (laughs) Tell me if this sounds familiar at all, okay? All right, so a group of four amateur adventurers who specialize in exploring remote and forsaken places pay visit to Shook'em Hills, a town in remote Appalachian Mountains which was abandoned decades ago due to a mysterious mind fire. Huh. So is this just like 
the American remake of Chernobyl Diaries? <laughs> or... <laughs> What's going on here? That sounds similar. <laughs> and it stars the main guy from this and the Australian backpacker guy. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so, huh. history repeats itself. I don't know. It could be fun, though. I mean, anything Appalachian Mountains, I'm kind of in, to be honest. Like, as soon as I read that, I was like, okay, you got me. Yeah, um, well, and there really was a, a town that had to be abandoned because of that underground mine fire. Have you heard of this? Well, I know there's a mine fire that is, like, still burning. It's still burning. burning, yeah. I wonder if that's Shookham Hills. Yeah, I don't remember at all what it was called, but I thought, I think that's a super creepy, cool thing. So I'd watch a movie about it. I guess. Absolutely. I mean, I joke, but I'm totally going to watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the most well-known person that was involved with this was Orrin Pelly, who produced and and partially wrote this movie. Like, I think it was written from an idea that he pitched. He was fresh off of his huge, massive hit of Paranormal Activity franchise. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so there, that's probably why we see a little bit of that found footage vibe to this is potentially because of his influence, especially the scene that is like actually like it, it's very the very extremely meta scene where we find the found footage. <laughs> that feels very Orin Pelly. Oh, this movie was also when it was released was pretty controversial. There were a lot of Chernobyl survivor advocacy groups that protested its release because apparently they don't like people to think that they're chuds. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure their government has a lot of problems to try to keep these exact kind of people out of these areas in real right. life. Right. So I'm I'm sure a movie that I mean doesn't glorify it doesn't end well for anyone, but a movie about it, I'm sure there are people that would see that and be like, "Oh, that's cool. I want to do that." Well, apparently you can actually visit the town that this movie is based on. Yeah, I've heard that, but I'm sure people try to sneak into the Oh, I'm sure they try to, like, push their locking, go where they should not go. In fact, people are, like, slowly moving back into this area. Do you know this? That they're just, no. like, because there's all these empty houses. They're just, like, fuck it. And moving in. Oh. And there are radioactive packs of wolves. <laughs> I, I did know about that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, I don't know. This is, it's definitely an interesting setup. For sure. For sure. Okay, so, Mars, would you... Do me a solid and give us the synopsis of the Chernobyl Diaries. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So in the beginning of this movie, we meet three of our main characters, Chris, his girlfriend, Natalie, and their friend, Amanda. And they are on a trip like a cross Europe trip, right? Mm -hmm. And they are making a stop in Kiev to visit Chris's brother, Paul, who was, you know, through conversation, you find out that he was only there. He Went there uh, as a vacation and then just decided to stay because he's crazy, Paul. Right. And them chicks are so hot. (laughs) (laughs) And he immediately, you understand the dynamic between these two brothers and that, you know, Chris is like the calmer, more, you know, has more self-control and more responsible. And his older brother, Paul, is more about that crazy party and just, you know, living life and all that kind of stuff. it up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a, in a moment just between Chris and Paul, he tells Paul that he's going to propose to Natalie. And, you know, Paul's supportive. I was expecting him to be like, no, little bro, like, that's the end of your... He's, I'm making him way more bro in my telling of the story than he actually was in the, in the movie. But, uh... Pretty bro <laughs> I feel like 
you're definitely still in the safe zone. Yeah, yeah. So they go out to a bar and everybody gets drunk and then we kind of see more. I think it was just an excuse to kind of show Paul's character because he's trying to, he's, you can tell he's that charming kind of dirtbag mm-hmm. where in the moment you're like, oh my God, he's so cute and nice to me. And it's like, that guy got not going to call you tomorrow. No. King of the fuck boys. Gonna avoid your text messages somehow. And be like, oh, she's crazy. I know. She keeps texting me. She's so crazy. <laughs> she what? texted me once two days ago. Like, what kind of psycho does that? <laughs> right? <laughs> that is very Paul. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know that he necessarily gets fully redeemed in this movie, but he doesn't spend the whole movie being that person. But no. it might be a product of circumstance. I don't know. Anyway, the group had plans to go to Moscow that next day, and instead, Paul suggests that they go on an extreme tour of, not going to say this town, right, Pripyat? I think so, Pripyat. Which is a town just outside of Chernobyl where, you know, the families and the workers of the power plant lived. And Yuri, the guy who runs the extreme tours, tells them that basically when it happened, these people had, like, five minutes to leave so all Mm -hmm. of their stuff is still there and that it's like walking through a completely empty city anyway chris doesn't want to go paul wants to go he eventually convinces the uh, natalie and amanda to go and Mm -hmm. so they go while they're getting ready to leave two more people join their group which are Mm, what was i know i remember zoe because i liked her the least and so her name stuck with me oh poor zoe and michael zoe and michael who are a honeymooning couple? I think were so. They? I couldn't tell because he was like, oh, we're... Or maybe they were just dating for a short period of time. Yeah, because... Unclear. It, yeah, because at one point, the fact that he asks Paul and Amanda if they're honeymooning made me think, oh, they're honeymooning. And then when they get asked and he's like, oh, we're we're lifelong, or we're, we're life partners or something, something really, like, new agey about, like, our souls yeah. have always been married. And oh, then dear. Zoe's like, we've been together a month. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. They're yeah. a couple. Um, so they are all driving into a checkpoint to get into the Chernobyl exclusion zone where they get turned back by the Ukrainian military. And Yuri gives them a story about how like they're doing maintenance and they won't let us in today. And the group's kind of like, I thought it was empty. What are they maintaining? And he's like, oh, it's fine. I just I know another way in. So he takes them through the back way, which doesn't look super okay, but whatever, you know, they're, they're living life, See, man. This is where Yuri having such a vibe of competence and security really gets you in trouble. Cause like if anybody else was like, let's go into the back way of Chernobyl, I'd be like, nah, dog. But like when Yuri says that, you're like, yeah, of course we'll be fine. He's special forces and he's Yuri. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah, this definitely comes back to bite them, but I can see, like, usually when these people are making really dumb decisions, you're like, you're an idiot, you deserve to die, but, like, I can see Yuri talking me into going. Yeah. Because he does, he does give a sense of, like, well, but he's been doing this for years. He does this all the time. It's totally fine, you know? And there's, like, all the pictures of him when he was, like, in the military and stuff. Yeah. So right? how how much did you talk to your cats in a Russian accent last night? Not at all because not at all. Oh god, I can't do either. Then I can't do accents, and so when I do them, 
it's not even it's so far from what an accent is supposed to sound like that it doesn't even sound like like an like an offensive version of the accent it just sounds like no accent <laughs> like it just sounds like I'm, I'm like did you ever see that movie Nell oh god <laughs> it's like I'm Nell trying to learn you're English. a feral child <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like I'm trying to form words any words for the first time. Oh my god! And it's like everybody can do a British accent. Maybe it's not very good, but everybody can do something that sounds British. And when I do it, it sounds like I'm missing part of my tongue, and also have never heard the human I guess voice I've before. Never heard you do an accent ever. This is why. This is all making sense now that I realize that I, I was trying to go back through my memory banks. And was there ever a time that you were like top of the morning or anything? No, nope. never. Mm-mm. Ah, it's all making sense now. Okay, all right. Well, I. I uh, also didn't do that all night last <laughs> night, so let's move on. <laughs> sure. So they make it past the checkpoint, and Yuri stops at a body of water, and he, he points out that that's the city on the other side, and this is the first thing he wanted to, sh- to show them. And they walk down to the pond or whatever this is, and uh, they find their first their first mutant, which is a yeah. fish with very large teeth and that can live outside the water. Yeah, well, I think it was dying. Was it? Okay. Yeah, but so maybe it was chilling. But it looked like it was beginning to grow like limbs. So it looks Ooh. like it was on the the mutated path to Ooh. land creature. <laughs> oh, creepy. Yeah, and then as they're walking back to the van, we get a shot of other mutant fish in the water, and it's just they were just. Did this make you Gross. think of the first episode of the 100? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the part of the movie that I really liked. Was like I, I kind of wish we had delved further into the world building of the mutant animals. Yeah. Like with the packs of dogs that we'll get into in a little bit. But especially like this fish was in some ways to me the most compelling monster in the movie was the like land-dwelling monster fish. <laughs> that I was about. Okay, so, um, and then we kind of get a conversation about radiation poisoning, because Yuri pulls out a Geiger counter, and right. he's like, I'll let, you know, this way we'll know where it's the worst. And they're like, yeah, should we be anywhere where there's any sort of reading on that at all? I mean, because that was my personal thought, where I'm like, you know, if if there's any radiation, should we be here? But mm-hmm. Yuri assures them that they're only going to be there for a few hours, and it won't be enough to hurt them and whatever. So then we get some shots of them exploring this empty city and which is haunting it is very creepy yeah i visited my friend in alaska a couple like several years ago over the summer and we went to this town whose name i can't remember but it's very 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 small as a lot of towns in alaska are and you can only get there through it's one road in and out through a tunnel that the train is also on so you have to wait for the train to pass before you can go through the tunnel and it's like really interesting but they have this huge building they have like a few smaller you know buildings but there's this huge like multi-level just it looks like a big gray brick because it's not like shapes it's just a big rectangle and it's where they used to house the military during like World War Two, I think. And then for a while, it was a mental hospital. Ooh. And now it's 100% abandoned and you're not supposed to even go there. because Which like, means you have to go to there. Well, yeah. Because structurally, it's, you know, not safe or whatever. So, of course, people get in there all the time. Yeah. But And we didn't go in because we were, when we visited this town, it was daylight. And it's like, that's not, 
people are going to see you, you know, because it's just in the middle. It's not like in the trees. It's just there. But, I, you know, I guess she's been in there and she was saying that, like, it's all, like, graffiti and stuff. But there's a lot of, like, satanic things. Not, like, mm-hmm. you know, the... the the mopey teenager version of Satanism. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> we had one of those in my town. Yes, yes, I'm familiar with this art style. And it's, like, supposedly haunted. And so I, like, almost took a picture of it and then was like, yeah, but I don't want to do what happens later in this movie. Is later, like, be going back through it and then accidentally yeah. zoom in on a window and see something that I don't need to see. Yeah. <laughs> we had this similar thing in, in where I grew up that was like an old VA hospital that turned into a tuberculosis ward. Oh my god. So it was like super quote unquote haunted and we would totally go up there and of course there was like pentagrams painted everywhere and you know, you know, teen angst Satanism. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's a very particular brand. <laughs> <laughs> You don't have to spend a lot of time describing it, and everybody knows exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Some lopsided-ass pentagram on a wall. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Something that says satin lives. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, so uh, Yuri takes them into one of the buildings where they have to step over a dead dog. Oh, Boo. I was hoping it was going to be mutated, but it just kind of looked starved, which is just sad. It's just yeah, it was just sad. It was there was no no fun, creepy mutant fish vibe to it. it yeah, was just no, it was sad, just a sad, lonely. tiny dog. But he takes them into the building and he warns them not to take anything because everything in there is super contaminated with radiation poisoning, which brought me to like you know I don't know the second or third time that I was like yeah, but should you be there then? <laughs> Yuri turned on the fucking intimidation when he was like, "Don't take that," and totally called that guy who was trying to steal that watch. Yeah. And the more I kept being like, I wasn't going to take it. I wasn't going to take it. I was like, dude. You 100% were going to take it. 100% were going to take it. And then you're going to die of cancer in two years, so. Yep. You should heed Yuri. Always heed Yuri. That's what I took away from this. I'm going to fucking embroider that on a pillow. Always (laughs) heed Yuri. Randy and I have just been walking around going like, why do you worry when you have Yuri? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm going to embroider that on a pillow. Yep. There's, what was it? There's. There's no need to worry. Or I can't remember what it was, but it was like, Yuri is here. I was like, oh my god, I love you. I love oh you, god. I love you, I love you. I know. I was watching this and I was like, I know that you're not. You're going to die. And you're not making good decisions right now. Ugh. But I would marry that man. Right? My biggest complaint about this movie is they kill him way too soon. I know. that. I feel like he was the shiny best part of this movie and they just off his ass. Like, I get that he can't survive the movie. Obviously, Yuri's got to go at some point because you need these people to be alone and vulnerable and in over their heads. But, like, too soon. Too soon. He should have made it at least to the third act, you know? I know. The third act. And then when he's gone, then they're like, now we're super fucked. I know, because it felt like as soon as he's gone, then we're feeling like, oh, well, now it's just a matter of time. Didn't yeah. really feel like, oh, they have a chance. Yuri yeah. is there. As soon as Yuri was gone, it was like, well, obviously they're going to get picked off one by one until, you know, the end. Right. And we didn't even get to see Yuri go out. I he know. just was like, Yuri is here, and now Yuri is a torso and some mush. <laughs> <laughs> I feel robbed. I feel robbed of what could have been with Yuri. Yeah. Same. Same. So they're in the building. 
And they're kind of about to head out when Yuri hears something, so he makes everybody stop and be quiet, and there's kind of some little noises. And then, I will not lie, I jumped when the bear came barreling down the hallway suddenly. I thought that was a solid jump scare as well. You were not expecting a bear. It was not cheap. It was not a cheap jump scare. It was a... It was good. It was a good jump scare, and I don't know why. Was it just because it was a bear? It was the last thing you were expecting to see. I guess that's true, yeah. And I think it sort of drives home how, like, things are not right in this area. Like, what is a bear doing inside an apartment building? Yeah. What would drive a bear in there? What's crazy about how effective the jump scare was is that, you know, we're all expecting it to be a a monster of some sort like either a mutated animal or you know a mutated person or whatever we're all expecting something that is less common than a bear and then when it's a bear i was like oh shit a bear you know (laughs) yeah the bear scare i actually really liked the bear scare the bear scare (laughs) yeah the bear scare got me so then everybody runs out of the building and then kind of starts joking i think way too early about oh my god i can't believe a bear was here and i was like yeah the bear is here the bear is still here. Currently here. Bear Let us get into the, the truck. Vicinity. Yeah. Just because we saw the bear once and can no longer see the bear means that the bear has stopped existing. The bear will come back down. Yeah. Let us not also be here when it does. <laughs> I feel like their level of fear of the bear was not appropriate. They clearly have not seen the Leonardo DiCaprio bear attack movie. Which is funny because I kind of thought Jesse McCartney looked like a young Leonardo DiCaprio. I could see them being like, like plain brothers. Squint. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so they get back to the truck and they find out that something has chewed through the wires, some wires in the in the engine, and so the car won't start. But it's starting to get nighttime, and so Yuri tells them that like we're gonna have to wait here and then in the morning I'll fix it or we'll walk, but we're not going at night because that's when all the animals come out. And then as they're arguing about it and everybody, you know, whatever, I, no matter what I did, could not hear the sound that they were hearing. But they started hearing a sound that apparently sounded like a baby. I wouldn't know because no matter how much I turned up my volume and stuck my face into my laptop, heard no sound at all whatsoever. So whatever. I don't know. I trust them. It sounded like a baby. Whatever. Whatever they say. Yuri, in what should have been a surprise to no one, pulls a gun out of his glove compartment everybody's like oh my god where'd you why you have a gun i was like this dude is ex-military and he lives in the ukraine yes he has a gun yeah (laughs) right and you should be glad he has a gun right this is a moment where you're like oh this is when they say like it's better to have one and not need one (laughs) right (laughs) this is that perfect example you want yuri to have a fucking gun i was so confused given this guy's background and it's general just you know presence and everybody was like, oh my god, I am shocked to find that you have a firearm. And I was like, really? Are you, though? Right. You also stopped running from the bear, I guess. So maybe maybe you're not playing with a full deck. So I, I feel like they seriously underreacted to the fact that the wires were chewed up. Because whatever it was would have had to pop the hood and chew them up and close the hood again. Yeah, seriously. I mean... I guess mice and rats and squirrels and stuff will chew stuff that's not food, but usually only in an attempt to get to food. You know, like, they'll chew through plastic containers. Right. It was clearly sabotaged. Yeah. And I feel like they're underreacting to what could have done that. Or they just can't handle the idea that that there's something worse out there. So they're like, yeah, 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 definitely, definitely chewed 
definitely was an animal that chewed that. (laughs) (laughs) It had to have been, right, guys? Right, 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 right. Yeah. So anyway, Yuri grabs a gun and he's going to go explore the sound. Chris is going to go with him. And I wasn't hugely upset by the dialogue in this movie, but there were a few points where I was just like, unnecessary. And this is one of those things that happens in a lot of movies that I really just, it irritates me so much when the bad influence character gets the good influence character to do something and the good influence character is like, oh, you know what? You were right. This is really dope. And then it goes wrong and he's like, oh my God, this is all you. And I was like, you can't ride the fence on this. Yeah. You can't tell, be like, oh, this is so cool. And then as soon as it's going wrong. Be like, I can't believe you did this to us. I'm like, you were on board two hours ago. Yeah. You can be upset that the bad things are happening, and you can be like, I wish we'd never come here, but you can't one minute be like, this is dope, you set this up so cool, and then be like, oh, I hate that you did this. Yeah. I mean, one of my main issues with this movie is probably the characters. They're very one-dimensional. Very, very... We have the good brother, the bad brother, the girlfriend... Nothing else about her that we know, except for she's the girlfriend. Yeah. And then sort of our final girl who is single. That is what (laughs) we know about them. And then, of course, like, European body count one and European body count two. Right. (laughs) The only character that gets to do anything, and he's in the movie for five minutes, is Yuri. (laughs) (laughs) Like, the part where he's in the apartment and he, like, wanders off and sees that there's been, like, a fire burning. He gets to have a range of emotions in that moment. You get a lot of character from these little tiny things, whereas these other characters, like, none of the rest of the characters, like, you're just like, what's the order that they're gonna go? Right. (laughs) There's nothing about their characters that make you think, like, they might survive other than movie formula. Well, and even their their order, given Zoe... I really thought she'd go sooner. I thought she was going to be the one. You know how there's always that character that goes first and that's when everybody starts believing that they're being chased or hunted or there's a monster or whatever. Like that person that has to die just to prove that this is all happening. I thought that was going to be Zoe. She made it a lot longer than I would have expected. You're right. I guess they did twist the formula a little bit. Zoe made it to like the third act. (laughs) (laughs) But she still was just European body count too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean... There's absolutely nothing to these characters. This feels like a total elevator pitch of a movie. And they never were like, how do we add depth to this? It's just a ride. You're just meant to like have a few little chills and thrills. And you're not supposed to emotionally invest in this movie at all. <laughs> it kind of reminded me of um, like intro to script writing classes where they're just teaching you these are the elements you need. Obviously, you're supposed to build off of them and make them more interesting or whatever, but that's kind of what it reminded me of. Is like, here's the base set of characters. Yeah. You know? Because they don't really feel like real people. They feel like stock movie characters. Whereas, like, if you go back to Oren Pelly's other, his first movie, Paranormal Activity, like, yeah, it's just a guy and his girlfriend, but they feel like real people. Yeah. Whereas these just feel like movie archetypes. God, I love that movie. Oh, I know. The odd number of those movies are are awesome. Yeah. One, three, and I really like the the weird one that was in LA. So anyway, so like I was saying, I really hate when a character flip-flops on their attitude towards, you know, yeah. whatever, and being like, this is awesome, now it's your fault. But we get that between the brothers, where Chris is leaving to follow Yuri and investigate the baby sound, and Paul's trying to go with him, and then they get in a fight and whatever. Chris and Yuri disappear into the darkness, and then there are gunshots, and then Paul runs out and comes back with Chris, whose leg has been 
torn apart Oof. and he just keeps saying that they took Yuri, they took Yuri and they get Chris into the vehicle and did the thing that I hate where they're like, there's something in the darkness outside of these windows. So let's keep the light on in here so that all we can see are our own reflections. Yeah. And also everything out there can clearly see everything in here because that's how windows work. Yeah, Mars would not be having that in a survival situation. I hate when they do that. And then they're all like cupping their eyes against the, the window like trying to see out. I'm like, just turn off the goddamn light. Not only also, is it making you a target. you're gonna run down the damn battery. Yes, come on. Jeez. And I understand that like for filming purposes it has to be lit right they can't just have a completely blank screen but there are ways of making things lighter than they would be but having it look on camera like it's just yeah normal you know like there are tricks to doing that i think this is the first time when i started becoming aware of the way the camera moves Mm. Uh, like we were talking about earlier it's not a found footage but There are times when the camera moves like it's a seventh person in the room. Yeah, I was calling it the ghost Chernobyl Like <laughs> <laughs> It's ghost cam. It seems like there's this invisible seventh person who isn't in danger at all, but the way it moves is like the way your head would move. Yes. You know, if you were like looking around, you know. And as much as it wasn't consistent throughout the movie, and I understand that maybe for some people it might be weird and off-putting to have it switch back and forth between this like sort of found footage style and then normal shoot you know filming style but i liked it i thought it was kind of cool i mean it definitely does make you feel like you're a fly on the wall yeah which is interesting because it creates the intimacy of a found footage with a, a and eliminates the need to explain why the camera's still running and why the camera's getting like perfectly centered right. shots and everything like that and so i can see why it's an interesting way to play with those two, like get all of the precision of shots that you would from like a traditional uh, format while pulling you in as an additional party. To me, the where I noticed it was actually, again, back in the apartment with, the, with, with Yuri, where we leave our main group and follow him into the other room and we're like zooming in on his face and kind of, flo- like, it's ghost cam. Yeah. We're floating around around him and taking in everything that he's seeing. Because I thought going into it, it was a found footage movie. And, and the, the very first scene when they're like, he's talking about getting engaged and stuff. I'm like, who's shooting this? <laughs> why are they letting him watch this very intimate conversation? But yeah. And why haven't they said hi to this person yet? Right, right. We need HUD or something to say something, you know, behind the camera. Oh, Usually HUD. I know, R.I.P. HUD. Yeah, behind the camera, like, who's, like, the voice of the audience as well as the eyes of the audience, right? Yeah. And this this kind of ditches that. And like I said, I think it's just ghost cam. I, yeah, and I'm into it. I thought it was, I thought it was really cool. I mean, it follows the characters in a way that you would, if you were, like, creeping on the story, this is what you would do. Yeah. Which, I mean, maybe that's why I liked it so much. Because we're creepers? Right. (laughs) Like, I don't want to be directly involved, but I also want to know absolutely every detail of what's going on. (laughs) Oh my god, you nailed it. Like, that is... That is me in a nutshell. Like, I want to know everything. I'm so nosy, but I want no stakes. Right. <laughs> I don't want to have, like, make a decision. <laughs> I'm not even going to, I, you know, whenever you even ask for advice, I still give it with a, like, but it's your life, not mine. So I can't even be held accountable for my opinions. <laughs> yeah, wow, that is, is that how I live my life? A ghost cam? I mean, there are worse ways. I do pretend to be a ghost sometimes. When it's thunderstorming and I stand in that window. That is true. This is just the next step, the next evolution in your 
ghost experience. Just like floating around other people and being like, don't mind me. <laughs> now I'm picturing it. Like you actually floating around, looking around corners like, don't mind me. I'm just the ghost cam. <laughs> I have this. I don't know. It's not on purpose. It's absolutely not on purpose. Apparently I just move very quietly. But uh-huh. I have this ability to just. I don't know. I I think I might actually become invisible because there are times where I'm like trying to walk down a hallway or something and people will just swoop in right in my path, like to the point where like I, you know, whatever. And they're like, oh, I didn't see you. I'm like, I don't know what it is. It's like I have a sixth sense for other people's blind spots and then I just hang in them. That's going to be very good for you in the end times. When I was still working in office, I was eating lunch in the break room. And I was just sitting there. I wasn't, like, crouched in a corner. I was sitting at a table eating a sandwich. And people kept coming in and then talking to themselves at the sink because they thought they were alone. And then they turn around and be like, oh, my God, how long have you been there? And I was like, "I like, 35 minutes. And they're like, so did you hear me talking to myself? And I was like, yeah, I did. Also, I'm not in the shadows. I'm in the center of this room. so weird. You had to move around my bag to get to the sink. And they're like, I I totally didn't see you. I'm like... I feel like there was a movie where someone could go invisible, but only when you didn't look at them. It was a Buffy episode. Is that what it was? Yeah, it was, uh, what's her name? She was in, she played Stokely in the, the, the faculty. Leah Duvall? Yeah. Okay. She played a high school kid who was so, like, ignored or whatever that she eventually started turning invisible. Is that what you're talking about? Maybe. And then, like, the CIA recruited her, and she, like, the last shot is her going into a classroom full of other kids that have also turned invisible, and they're training them for combat. What? Yeah, Buffy left a lot of loose ends on (laughs) plots that could have been real cool. Yeah, no kidding. Oh my god, okay. Alright, well yeah, uh, apparently you need to watch out because the CIA is going to come recruit your ass soon. I know, I'm like, all I need to do is just live my life like a person and I just become invisible. Am I a ghost? Do I just not know that I've died yet? Am I an uh, elaborate dream? Is this dream the others? Like, what is happening? Am I just a dream you're having? Hmm. Could be. I mean, I haven't actually seen you in person in like a year. Yeah. You could be a ghost at this point. True. You could be a, you could just be living in the internet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on that grim note, where were we? I don't know. So they are in the in the vehicle, dogs start attacking them and they decide to wait till till morning. The next day, Paul and Michael and Amanda decide to go look for Yuri because he has the gun. And they follow blood down into one of the buildings or whatever. And Amanda keeps trying to tell him, like, it's too much blood, he's dead, he's dead. And they're like, well, we gotta find him anyway, he has the gun. And they follow the blood into, like, a kitchen kind of area. And then I had a series of very Amanda-centric thoughts in this part of the movie. They Mm -hmm. find Yuri's body, they find the Geiger counter, someone, they see shadow of someone, or, you know, someone breaking the light in the door frame that they just came through, which was actually a really creepy shot. I thought that was a really, like, an this honestly whole creepy... scene is very tense and, like, using the setting to its best use, I yeah. think, in the movie. So they realize that there's something out there. It starts to come through the door, and then it just, and I don't, okay, I have many thoughts, but I don't understand, because Paul and Michael bolt to the door and make virtually no sound. 
And Amanda was like, you know what seems like the appropriate course of action right now? I'm up for no reason. Jump a counter, kick over every metal dish on this on this counter onto the floor, make a shit ton of noise, and also be further from the door right now. Yeah? Yeah. Not great. So my thoughts on this are that, and Amanda proves this time and time again throughout the movie, she has redeeming qualities. I would want her on my team because she's she's brave and she kept her shit together. Yes. Is she super smart? I don't think so. No. She mm-hmm. makes a bunch of decisions where I'm like, really? You went so confidently with that decision. <laughs> you so yeah. confidently chose that. When she went for the counter, I was kind of like, ooh, bad move. I replayed it to be like, did something happen that I missed that caused her to bolt in the opposite direction of the door? And even if she didn't see the door, she still was like, oh, two of the three people are choosing to go that way and make no noise. Obviously, the right choice will be to kick over all the metal objects on this metal counter and then also put more distance and obstacles between myself and the exit. That's where it feels like, well, we want someone to get trapped in here. Yeah. So for plot reasons, we're going to have her be dumb. But why has it got to be the girl that's dumb? Hmm? Yeah. Hmm? And I knew it when we get all the shots of whatever it is that came into the kitchen moving behind her and we can see it through the shelves of the counter she's leaning against. I was like, well, okay. That's why she they had her do that because yeah. someone needed to stay near and be trapped so we could get these really like eerie shots of whatever this is moving around and eating Yuri. But I don't know. It just it was such a strange motivationless move. Like, I couldn't overlook it and just get lost and like, oh, there's something in the kitchen. So she starts crawling out of the kitchen, and Paul's, like, sticking his head through the door to be like, this is the door you should have run towards. (laughs) This was it. And through our kind of glimpses, we can tell that it's kind of like a a humanoid-ish creature. A chud. It's a chud. Yeah. Cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller. Yeah. And then uh, she sees the gun under the counter, and in her second move, I mean, again. (laughs) Mars is not having it, you guys. Mars, you do dumb shit. Mars is not having it. She's brave, and she keeps her shit together. And, I mean, I'll be honest, I have said in the past, my criteria for the team are low, but keeping your shit together holds a lot of weight. But God damn it. So she sees the gun and she starts slowly reaching for it. And then is like, okay, on the count of three, I'm going to smash everything over and get the gun and then have to run towards the door and immediately grab all the attention of this monster in the room. I'm like, I, mm, come on. <laughs> come on. God damn it. Yeah. So upset. It's not great. It's not great. And this is our final girl. The thing is, it's like her archetype is final girl. And you're just like, come on. I know. Well, and what was even more frustrating is it's like, okay, so we have two main girl characters. One is blonde and one is brunette, so obviously the blonde's gonna die. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, Literally the only thing she gets to do is be the girlfriend. That's it. Yeah. Nothing else. We just get to see her get snatched a second time. She exists yeah. to be to be snatched a second time. It is a bummer. Yeah. So, they get the gun, they get out of the building, they get back to the truck, and so they decide that they've gotta leave, but Chris... You know, he says that they can't, he, they can't carry him. So he and Natalie decide to stay and the rest of the group decides to leave and go get help and come back. And as they're walking, we get one of two, but both equally unnecessary conversations where all of a sudden it was the Paul pity party. Mm-hmm. It's like bigger fucking fish to fry, my friend. Yeah. Like this is not the time or the place. I mean, there are a couple, this is not the time or the place conversations that weren't even Paul's fault, but like, seriously, 
Yeah. Like, you just saw a monster eating your ex-military tour guide, and you're gonna pout about how mean you are, like, how awful you are to your brother? Yeah. Get it together, dude. Ugh. In Mars America, this will not be allowed. Time and a place, my guy. Not now or here. <laughs> I mean, and also it's just, like, he gets the entire arc. Yeah. He gets every emotional arc that happens in this movie is about him. Even when his brother is, like, dying, like, it becomes about him. And I'm not really sure why he gets to take up all of the character development. if it possibly was that because he's the final guy, you know, or he makes it to the almost the end, that they're trying to give him emotional scenes to do so that it's not all just screaming and running and hiding. But this was not... I might, I have it. a theory that so a lot of this movie was largely improvised to the point oh. where the actors didn't even know what was going to happen. So like a lot of times when you see them, they look genuinely scared. It's because they didn't know it was going to happen, which I think is is always an interesting. I do really love when they do that. Yeah, and I wonder if in this improv, like this is the scene that he improvised, isn't like, and he's just theater oh, man. hitting it up and sucking up all the air in the room. Uh, that's my theory like i like it better than they did that on purpose yeah i mean it's a little bit of column a a little bit of column b i mean it's what made the cut right but yeah like if if these were all improvised scenes like he was like here's my moment to shine (laughs) it's time to act (laughs) i wonder if that's some of what's happening in this scene yeah that would make sense to me yeah because he does it twice Mm-hmm. Like, and in quick succession, too. Because he does it here, and then he does it, like, ten minutes later. And Yeah. Feels like we could have maybe just had one of those scenes, but... Okay. Or none. You know? <laughs> or none. Or none. <laughs> you know. So the, as they're leaving, the group discovers a parking lot of abandoned vehicles. And they decide to start looking around to look for the cables that they can replace in the vehicle so that they can drive out. And while they're there, they find a, a school bus... Like, a retrofitted school bus that has bullet holes that are coming out. So, you know, people were inside shooting out at something. They discover blood and a guard uniform, and then they're like, "Mm, time to go. And (laughs) they do find the cables, and the dogs show up again. So now they're outrunning dogs. I don't know why I liked this so much, but just this idea of this, like, roving gang of vicious dogs just popping up. (laughs) It's it's super creepy. I liked it. This whole sequence here, from when they find the empty parking lot and they're scavenging through the parking lot, over the creepy bridge with the fish attacking, all of this part was actually peak movie for me. I love this idea of them just like one sort of thing after another as it's sort of coming apart and everywhere they turn is some new nightmare is very appealing to me. I I really liked this portion of the movie. Yeah, and I like the idea that it's the, I don't know why this was a thing for me, but the idea that it wasn't just like, oh, there are dogs here, but it was like the one specific pack that just kept following them. Yeah. I thought that was cool. But yeah, so they run across the bridge, across the lake of, weird mutant fish and i was just sort of like oh this is it zoe's gonna bite it yes yeah and then she does fall in but michael goes in after her and then she they both make it but i was like i was really hoping we were gonna get like a full piranha 3d situation i I was disappointed by that i will say that like how badly did you want that camera to go underwater so bad so bad cam 
You know, ghost cam doesn't need to breathe. Right? Ghost cam goes underwater. We just see plumes of red. That's what I wanted. Yeah. Just like pieces of him getting pulled apart would have been so cool. I actually think the least compelling monsters in this whole movie are the chuds. Like I'm into the dog. I'm into the bear. I'm into the, I wish there was a return of the bear. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that I, it would have almost been better if it was all just nature related. Well, especially since when they're going into the city, Yuri makes that comment about how nature has taken back what it right what was originally it. So when they're escaped patients, like you're, ugh, yeah, it's so much better when it's like the weird nature fighting back. Yeah, I would have loved more of that sentient vines. Right? Know? Why not? Yeah. Why not? That would have been dope. Giant bees. Yes. Yeah, that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted outside of Chernobyl. That would have been really cool. And I think the least compelling monster you could possibly come up with is Judd's. Yeah, seriously. They were the least scary thing of all the scary things. I wanted more like walk. Like what if the fish actually got out of the water? Yeah. That would have been so awesome. Or like, like 28 days later crows, you know? Yes. Yes. I want it to become man versus nature. That would have been so Cool. Which, and it totally felt like, I mean, obviously this time going into it, I knew that's not what it was because I've already seen those ones. But when Yuri makes that comment where he's like, yeah, nature took back what was originally it's and originally belonged to it or whatever. And I was like, oh, that would have been the good movie. That would have been really neat. I would have been about that life. But we got to go back to Chudtown. Yeah, I'm just thinking. And I kind of did like that, like, the dogs and the bear didn't have any, like, physical deformities that you could see or whatever, but you just, you're looking at these animals and you're like, those animals are radioactive. Like, that's yeah. a radioactive bear. Oh, for sure. <laughs> something for about that is sure. so creepy. I agree. I Yeah, I love this little sequence with the, the rickety bridge over the water, because we know, as the audience, we saw the, like, fish tearing apart the beef jerky. We know that that water is just infested with, like, Russian piranhas. Oh my god, and can you, my mind is reeling now. All of the ways that mold spores would have mutated. Yeah. It totally should have been Man vs. Nature. It could have been so cool. Oh, well, let's make that movie. Oh, everyone out there, uh, trademarks, trademark, taken. <laughs> Intellectual <Yeah>. property. <laughs> <laughs> but can you imagine, like, if there was, like, a room of mushrooms, and when they were physically disturbed, they released spores that caused you to that caused paralysis, but when you fell on them, they would liquidize your body, and that's how they fed? Yeah, why not? Like, Venus flytrap that shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be pretty cool. I would be into that. Alright. I think you got another short story coming. Why Why can't I just have the story and then someone else make it? And then I'm like, yes, that was my idea. <laughs> I mean, I guess that you, that's being a screenwriter. I guess that's true. <laughs> 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 okay, so let's go deal with these Juds. So they make it across the water, they get back to where the van is, but it's not there, and then they find, like, a seat from it or whatever. Anyway, they find out that Chris and Natalie have disappeared, but they find Natalie's phone where she was. Oh, and it's just so awkward. Because yeah. can you imagine if this was a real thing that happened where you're, like, you're with your boyfriend, and he's like, hey, will you record me on your phone real quick? I want to say something. And you're like, sure, babe. So you're like, I'm recording. And then he starts talking about how he's going to propose to you. And you're like, you wanted me to record <laughs> your proposal to me? Yeah. 
<laughs> I don't know. And I know that this scenario is more like, I think I'm going to die kind of thing. But yeah. even more so, you want this video? It was just super awkward. I get why they did it, but that's sort of, I feel like, the theme with a lot of things that happened in this movie. A lot movie of the choices is I, were I get why. plot-driven instead yeah. of reality or character-driven. Yeah. And it, it, there wasn't a lot of work put into giving it a motivation. It was just sort of like, they did that, and now we move on. Yeah. So they find our phone, they play this video that shows them getting attacked and carried away, and basically we just start the process of looking for Chris and Natalie while getting chased by Chuds. Yep. And slowly losing people. Yep. Unfortunately, Michael's the first one to go. So they find Natalie in the building, who's obviously traumatized. Oh, yeah. And they get her out of the building, and they're trying to talk to her about, like, what happened and everything. And a lone child appears, at which point that I'm pretty sure... That is pretty sure creepy. That, just, that was creepy. That, the way the kid was lit and the his crazy hair and stuff, that was actually a very well-crafted, like, visual scare. Then yeah. It was, like, so prolonged. And then even when the camera cuts back to Natalie and you know someone's at the bottom of the stairs behind her and it slowly pans over and we just see that big hulking shape yeah. back there, that was pretty creepy, too. Yep. Yeah. There's some that good really sequences creepy. in this movie. Where you you can see that this person's visual effects work is coming in handy. Yeah. But, I mean, at the same time, I think the audience probably screams in one voice, that's bait. <laughs> Come on. I mean, in a real life scenario, I guess You it already would be... fell for the baby crying to begin with, you guys. Obviously. That's how this all started. Again, that's bait, dog. Don't go find the baby in the dark. <laughs> right. I guess it would be considered, quote-unquote, cold-hearted to see an abandoned child and not go check it out. But given the the situation, maybe you don't all go. Maybe you call out to said child and be like, are you okay? Where are your parents? Yeah, and if it just stands there creepily, it's Dos Vidanya, motherfucker. Like, (laughs) I'm outie. (laughs) (laughs) I had this roommate. She was my, my best friend all through high school. I was a bridesmaid in our wedding, but we used to watch scary movies together, and we had a list of rules that we were like, if we're ever together and any of these things happen, this is the protocol we follow for this. And one of, literally, like, number three on our list was, if you hear a baby where there should be no baby, do not go look for baby. No kidding. That's never a good, it's never a good vibe. I I really wish we had gotten one shot of one of the chuds making baby noises, though. (laughs) How... I mean, it would either be hilarious or scary <laughs> as hell. I just, I imagine it's two chuds, though, and one's just going, wah, wah, and the other one's, like, slapping him on the arm, being like, really, that's your baby impression? Well, you do it then. <laughs> sort of, like, sub-genre of the baby sound. If you hear children laughing where there should be no children, oh, you not go look for children. Oh, that is never good. Even if the children are supposed to be laughing, that's a chilling sound. Yeah. Anyway... So they go, all of them, go to go check out the bait, and Natalie gets snatched again. And I actually, like we said, the child was creepy, the shot of the figure at the bottom of the stairs is creepy, and then it was also creepy when we look back and all we see is her shoe as she's getting, like, pulled down the stairs. Yeah, it's a well-crafted little set of scares here. Yeah, it was very effective. So they, again, we sort of slip back into looking for Natalie while getting chased by chuds. We lose Michael... He gets snatched, which yep. is huge loss for the group because Zoe's dead weight. Amanda's not smart. 
Paul's doing all right, but really, like, your real anchor of the group at this point is Michael, and he's the first one to go, so yeah. that sucks for them. Which just sort of slips Zoe into even more of a like, useless, <laughs> useless nature. Because <laughs> now she's in shock, too, so yes. great. And, like, here's the thing, is, like, if this were a real survivor scenario, I'm not so cold-hearted that if someone went into shock, I'd be like, leave them, you know? But I would have to have that conversation and be like, look, 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 look. If we're gonna have to carry you, we're not gonna. You gotta, like, keep up, you know? At least keep up. At least follow along in your zombie mode, you know? Just move forward. Just keep going. Just follow. Just lemming us. But also, just, like, rear the pack. You're disposable. Sorry. Like, I'm not gonna be super upset. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, this final act really is just kind of a chasing with people getting picked off. Yeah. Until we get down to just... The remaining two. And we know it, too. There's nothing about this sequence that makes us think, like, oh, how's this going to play out? We know exactly how it's going to play out. So, you know. We end up in a basement where they find the ring that Chris was going to propose to Natalie with. And mm-hmm. it's on the... There's, like, a curtain thing. This was also a weird reoccurring thing for Paul where he just continually was having to slowly open... and then, Slowly and then quickly open curtains. Yeah. It was just funny that he did it, like, six times in this movie. But... <laughs> Is that where they, he found the soldier? He finds the dead soldier? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then we get the, the crawling chud, which is actually gross and creepy to see. Oh, right! That yeah. one is the best chud. That was the that only is, one that scared me. That is the MVP chud of the movie. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you know what? He had three quarters less limbs than most people, and he still was like, I'm getting ya. I'm getting ya. He was motivated. Yeah. Yeah, he was scary. I did like Vote that Vote him chud. for Chud Mayor. He's, he's <laughs> driven. President Chud. Four more years. <laughs> <laughs> it was the only one that scared me, though. Yeah. No, he was a good one. Yeah, and that's when we lose Zoe, because they're trying to climb a ladder, and she gets pulled back down. Now it's just Paul and Amanda. Uh, you know, I will have to say, Paul does make some really good upset faces. Yeah. His 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 emo- portraying emotion on his face was actually, honestly, really good. I'm not yeah. trying to be like... I mean, the actor himself is fine. It, it's yeah. the character that I have issue with. Yeah, the yeah. performance is totally fine. I will say... Like, the performances in this movie are very uneven. Whenever they're having to do emotional stuff, like character setting or info dumps, it, it's not great. But the when they're scared, I feel like across the board, everybody does a very convincing job of being frightened. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah, I would agree with that. So, basically, they start succumbing to radiation poisoning, where their skin starts burning, and they're also headed closer and closer to the... Oh man, I'm blanking on what it's called now. The the reactor. Yes. That blew. So they're getting into the higher and higher levels of radiation. They're starting to feel sick. Chris is starting to lose or Paul. It's Paul. Chris yes. is gone. Paul is starting to lose his you know, his vision's starting to go blurry, but they are they're being chased, so they have to keep going. And they make it out into like a courtyard kind of thing, and the there are you know, armed police or military. Yeah. Yeah, the guards are there. And so they're, of course, like, oh, my God, we're saved. And they're trying to, you know, they're being told to get down on the ground. And they're trying to, like, inch closer and being like, please just help. There's mutants everywhere. And in a move that I, you know, like I said, I didn't remember a lot from the movie. But they shoot and kill Chris in this. Yeah. Which 
I thought was surprising. I thought I it was kind a of liked move. how grim it got towards this part. Once they yeah. got the radio, like the radiation poisoning, I was like, oh, like there is no good answer for this. I kind of like that it skewed real grim at the end. Yeah, right. And so that's the thing is that the, a lot of this movie was just straight out of the how to make a movie textbook. But the end, I think, tried to be different, and I, I can I can respect that. Yeah. But they kill Chris, even though he's made it essentially to safety, and they take Amanda, and they're wheeling her on a gurney through a hospital when she comes to, and they're, they've been asking her questions like, does anyone else know you were there, and whatever, and we get uh, some hints as to what's going on um, through the Russian subtitle, or through the, the subtitles for the Russian, where they're like... Oh, all the other Americans are dead. She's the only one. And then they throw her in a cell with others of her kind. <laughs> yeah. It's a little weird. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. And that's the movie. There you go. Roll credits. All right, Marzi. What did you think of Chernobyl Diaries? You know, I... I went through a roller coaster of opinions on this. That's so fair. So when it started, I was like, okay, all right, doing this. And then when it became not found footage, and then I went, uh-oh, uh, I thought this was something else. Because, again, like I said, I remembered it being found footage, but it's also been a very long time right. since I watched it. And, and I it maybe... was, like, in the heyday of the found footage, 2012, maybe, I guess maybe towards the end of the heyday of, of found footage. Yeah, and I, you know, maybe I watched it, maybe it was one of those things that I kind of had on in the background while I was doing something else. I don't really, you know, I don't remember. So I I was like, oh, well, okay, so I guess I was wrong about that. Hopefully, hopefully this goes okay. And it wasn't, like, the worst thing. No. There were definitely things about it that I honestly thought were scary, some things that I honestly thought were creepy. I appreciated the attempt at a at an ending that wasn't just like, and then she made it out, you know? So, I mean, it wasn't the worst thing, in my opinion. That's fair. I agree. It definitely was not the worst thing. It had some genuine scares in it. And I think the setting of it, like, I feel the setup of the movie has a ton of potential. Like, it was pretty fair. It was controversial. I get it. Like, it's not great to base your horror in, like, something that happened just, like, you know, 30 years ago and people are still alive who are, who've, who've dealt with the effects, like the human effects of that. But that aside, it is kind of is the ideal setting for a movie. Maybe a fictionalized version would be better, but, but it has the isolation that you want on a movie that, like this so that you feel like vulnerable. Cause you're like, you know, at the whim of nature to a certain extent, which we've talked about, I wish was the case of this movie, but also, the setting, it just, because it's like this ghost town, and you can see all the remnants of things that people left behind, and it's like in the shadow of these reactor towers, you're like constantly, constantly reminded of mortality in a way that is really ideal for a horror movie setting. Like, you're very uh, uneasy at all times, and the setting does a lot of the work for you. Like, it gets you to a scary place so that maybe some of the writing is not as essential when you can put something... But you can set something in this situation. And it's also because it it has this history, the nuclear disaster, and like tied in with our superstitious beliefs around nuclear power, it lends itself into going into like sci-fi horror really easily. So it's I can see why they selected this setting. And 
in some ways I think they do a really good job of using it and in other ways I think they really fail and we've talked a lot about that so I won't get into it but I feel like there is a core idea to this movie that is really good I just feel like the first draft got made into the movie like they didn't do anything to really complicate it or to turn it into some sort of ecological morality tale or have some really interesting character uh, development or you know side character stuff to like really enhance the story it just feels like a little bit of a ride that you go on and some of the parts of the ride are really fun and creepy and then other parts of the ride kind of drag and are silly so it's 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 a mixed bag for me so yeah i enjoyed myself while i watched it like it was entertaining enough when i put a critical eye on it i i can't say that i thought it was especially great but it's it's definitely not the worst thing that i've watched and if somebody were to watch it or ask me what i thought of it i would probably be like you know, it is definitely worth checking out. I wouldn't put it, like, I wouldn't prioritize watching it, but you could certainly do worse. There's yeah. a lot of worse shit yeah, <laughs> available to stream. So like, I didn't hate my time. It's it's not the best thing I've ever seen, but it wasn't, you know, I wasn't upset that I saw it, I guess, or that I saw it again. Yeah, it has some fun, like, gore moments and some fun jump scares. It's also got a nice short runtime. Yeah. If this movie were any longer, I would have a lot harder time with it. Because there's just really not a lot of meat on these bones. And so because it has that nice short runtime, there are a couple points that feel a little laggy. But overall, like, it, it, the time is filled in a way that propels the movie forward. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't especially love the ending. Like, I kind of almost wished it was more ambiguous as opposed to just throwing her in with the monsters. Yeah. Because I really thought the the downbeat of the ending where it seemed like it was going was stronger than, like, turns out they're evil scientists and they just throw her in to get eaten by the chuds i was like eh. yeah eh. no i agree and that's what i mean when i say like i appreciate the effort to come up with out there ending i don't know that this is the ending i wanted but i appreciate that they tried i guess i mean i like them like getting shot and and die of radiation poisoning that, that feels that feels right that feels like yeah i don't know like the bear shows up again and that's how yeah something i don't know so so i see the reviews of this that are like this movie is terrible and i don't think that's fair i don't think this movie is terrible but i mean obviously it goes nowhere towards leaving up to like paranormal activity obviously there's none of the ingenuity like it feels very by the numbers that's why i keep calling it like a ride almost or like a interactive video game uh where you have like almost like timed quick time events and you oh, like, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of how this movie it feels to me. It doesn't feel like... It, it doesn't have any depth to it. So it feels like a little bit of a ride. But yeah, but I didn't hate it by any means. By any means. Yeah, um, same. Yeah. I would. I wish someone would take a second pass at the, the script and give it another shot. Because I do think there's an interesting movie in this movie that didn't necessarily fully get executed in this version yeah well and now i'm just latched on to the idea of this movie but it actually just being nature i know that would be so dope i would watch i would love that movie like more mutiny stuff would be so cool yeah all right i think that's a story you need to write girl get on it (laughs) done and done (laughs) add it to my pile of finished products (laughs) word i hear you (laughs) okay so if you were to watch this movie thrice, what would you recommend people drink with it? Man, this one was hard for me because there's so many obvious answers. I mean, gotta be something vodka, right? But I think I had to go white Russian because oh, all of the mutants go. were so pale. <laughs> 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 and because I hate milk. 
Yeah. Yeah. And That'll give you, like, radiation poisoning. It'll make you feel like you have it, at least. <laughs> Some of us. Fair enough. All right. Well, we don't have any listener feedback yet, but we do love to hear from you guys. If you have some thoughts about this movie, maybe we missed something really important. Maybe it should have been more chuds and less nature. I don't know. You can send us an email at rachel at com, And if you're enjoying the show, leave us a review on iTunes. You can also find us on our Facebook page. So feel free to hop on over to the Zombie Girls Facebook page and, and leave us a message there. All right. So I guess that just leaves us what... Uh, we're going to watch the next episode. Do you have any idea what it is? No. Okay, so this one is on Amazon Prime. It is a little movie about a group of friends who just want to have an adventure in an underground Mayan ruin. Unfortunately, Darby Sharks. <laughs> it is a little movie called 47 Meters Down on Cage. Yes! <laughs> are you ready are you ready to go to the shark's house i haven't watched it yet i don't know why but now i'm gonna oh yeah so yes that's what we're gonna do for the next episode so this came out this is the one where i was like there's a movie that just it had just come out last time we recorded and i it was your turn to pick and i was like i wonder if she's gonna pick it Oh, that makes so much sense now. Yes, so yes, we're going to do 47 meters down, uncaged, sharks in Mexico. I hope you're ready. Get your respirators out. We're going shark diving. Oh my God, I'm going to have so much anxiety. I know. But who else can I, would I watch this with? All right, so next episode, 47 meters down, uncaged. I'm super excited. It's been a long time since we've done a shark movie, and I feel like we are due for one. Yeah. Because if there is one thing that we are both afraid of, it is sharks. <laughs> I'm already getting anxiety thinking about being yeah. in water in a cave with sharks. I know. It's going to be so good. Okay. So uh, let's wrap it up. Marzi, would you do me a solid and take us out? Thanks for coming back, everybody. We are going to watch a shark movie next. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. That's all, folks. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Yeah, I yeah, totally yeah. cheated and just copied the synopsis from Wikipedia, just yeah, so you know. Fine. That's why there's all these, like, Links. hyperlinks. You can ignore <laughs> I was like, wow, Rachel put the time in on this yeah. one. I, I cross-reference. There's footnotes I'd like you to refer to from the <laughs> primary sources. Uh. Like you to citation and everything as you go. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm almost done. No, you're fine. It's all it's going down. You pee fast. I do. So you it's can disappear my... and pee fast. Those are your two superpowers. Three. I can't feel earthquakes. <laughs> right, 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 right. That is a good one, too. Very useful. Maybe I am a ghost. <laughs> right. Uh, of course you don't feel the earthquake. You're floating up two inches yeah. above the ground. And I'm invisible, and I pee super fast because I'm not actually peeing. I'm just carrying out the memory of peeing. So I go in there like, for ten seconds, and I'm like, pee, pee, pee. Well, that was good. Ectoplasm. <laughs> <laughs>